Welcome to WTBU News Today. I'm Evan Jimenez. Boston has been pretty mild lately, with Tuesday temperatures hanging in the low 60s. Temperatures Wednesday are expected to reach a high of 69 degrees, with cloudy skies and showers early on. The rest of the week is looking warm, with skies remaining mostly cloudy into the weekend. Now we'll move on to the Boston University COVID-19 update. On October 19th, four members of the Boston University community tested positive for COVID-19. Three of them were students, and just one was an employee. For the week of October 13th to October 19th, 0.09% of tested students were deemed positive for the coronavirus, with 0% of tested faculty and 0.25% of tested staff also receiving positive results. On average, BU's lab took 17.4 hours to process each test. In total, 180 members of the BU community have tested positive this fall. 23 are currently in isolation, and 108 have recovered from the disease. Christina Melhorn is here now to report on the BU spring move-in process. BU has released new details on the process for fall move-out and spring move-in. Students staying in on-campus, dorm-style residences through the end of finals will have a move-out deadline of Sunday, December 20th at noon. All apartment-style dorms will remain open during the winter break. Students who can't travel home for the break will have the option to remain on campus at Hotel Commonwealth from December 20th to January 10th. The cost of a double room will be $40 per day. Students will be able to sign up and pick their roommate through the My Housing portal starting November 2nd. Students living in Hotel Commonwealth will not be provided with meals during the winter break. Students staying in apartment-style on-campus dorms and vacation housing will still be required to complete COVID-19 testing throughout the break. Isolation and quarantine housing will stay open. Spring move-in will follow the same procedures as fall move-in. It will be from January 14th to 20th. Students living in BU housing will again be required to sign up for move-in date and times, starting on December 14th on the My Housing portal. The same rules regarding quarantining after traveling from a high-risk state and testing upon arrival are in place for the spring move-in. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Christina Malhorn for WTBU News. Thank you, Christina. Joining us now is Alex Corey with a story regarding a Department of Education audit in Massachusetts. Two Massachusetts school districts are being audited by the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education after students have been kept in remote learning models, although each district has relatively low rates of coronavirus transmission, officials said. Watertown and East Longmeadow are being audited, according to a spokeswoman for the Executive Office of Education. The two towns are being audited because neither district has significantly moved their timeline for returning students to in-person or hybrid instruction, officials said. According to the most recent color-coded report from the state, Watertown has been marked with a yellow rating with a coronavirus rate of 4.5 average daily cases per 100,000 people. East Longmeadow was marked with a red marking, with an average daily rate of 10.6 per 100,000 people. East Longmeadow told DESE that its school committee voted for the district to begin the 2020-2021 school year utilizing a fully remote model for learning until January of 2021. Watertown initially planned to phase in elementary students beginning on October 26 with a hybrid in-person model, but has since made no changes to this elementary hybrid model and planned to discuss the return to secondary students at the school committee meeting on October 19th. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Alex Corey for WTB News.
Thanks, Alex. And now we'll head over to Stephanie Joseph with a story about a Justice Department lawsuit against Google. The U.S. Department of Justice filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google Tuesday. Eleven states, including Florida, Georgia, and Texas, also joined the DOJ's lawsuit. The DOJ accused Google of having a monopoly over the search industry by paying billions to device manufacturers and browsers, such as Apple and Mozilla Firefox, to become their default search engines. The suit alleged that Google owns 80% of general searches in the U.S. This would inhibit competition and prevent any other company from growing its audience. Kent Walker, Google's senior vice president of global affairs, called the suit, quote, flawed in a blog post Tuesday. Walker expressed concern over the suit leading to higher phone prices and the use of lower quality search engines for consumers. The last time the DOJ took on a major tech company like Microsoft, it took four years to reach a settlement. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Stephanie Joseph for WTBU News. Thanks, Stephanie. Next, a story regarding a presidential visit to Pennsylvania from May Claire Saban. As President Trump lags behind Biden in key swing states, the incumbent candidate traveled to Pennsylvania on Tuesday. In 2016, Trump won Pennsylvania with 48.2% of the vote a considerably narrow lead over Clinton, who lost with 47.5%. Pennsylvania will be key to either candidate's victory. As of right now, former Vice President Joe Biden leads in the polls by 8%. In Erie, Pennsylvania, Trump hosted an airport rally on Tuesday. His wife, Melania Trump, was notably absent because of an ongoing cough. The rally was supposed to be her first public appearance since her contraction of coronavirus over two weeks ago on October 2nd. President Trump's rally comes just three days after a major victory for Democrats in Biden's home state. In a deadlock vote decided by Chief Justice John Roberts, the Supreme Court allowed for the processing of mail-in ballots up to three days after Election Day. Senate Republicans have largely opposed this measure and previously implored the Supreme Court to intervene and stop the processing of late ballots. As the court case closed on Monday, Pennsylvania's Attorney General said, quote, We support the court's decision not to meddle in our already working system, end quote despite consistent attacks from Republican Party leaders. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm May Claire Sabin for WTBU News. Thanks, May Claire. Finally, in international news, French Education Minister Mine-Michel Blanquet announced Tuesday that Samuel Paty, a 47-year-old professor who was beheaded last week by a suspected Islamic, Islamic terrorist, will be posthumously awarded France's highest civilian honor, Le Légion d'Honneur. Petit was murdered on Friday outside of his school in Paris by an 18-year-old man of Moscow-Chechen origin who came to the country as a refugee in March. The 18-year-old aggressor reportedly aimed to avenge Petit's use of caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad for his lectures regarding freedom of speech. The caricatures were originally published by Charlie Hebdo, a French satirical magazine that was attacked for the same reason in 2015. Fifteen people linked to the murder have been arrested, and over 40 home raids were carried out on Monday to investigate people praising the murder. A national ceremony in honor of the victim will be held at the Paris Sorbonne University on Wednesday. And that is all for this edition of WTBU News Today. Be sure to tune into our full program every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern over on WTBU Radio. On behalf of Grace Ferguson, Alex Corey, Hannah Yoshinaga, Stella Lawrence, and Giselle Mehta, I'm Evan Jimenez reporting from Boston, Massachusetts for WTBU News.